0: Welcome to the third season of Real Theo Fetish Real Theo I moved back to live. It's a bit more interactive, it's a little bit more fun. It's also a hell of a lot easier on the editing stuff um, and getting footage from other people. Um, so we'll see how the season goes. It might be amended again for a fourth season, you never fucking um, know. But this week I have a good friend uh, coming on to um, the show and um, Boot Black Cub, we should really just bring him in one moment. Hello. Hello! You popped right up.
1: Hey, great. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a busy day for me.
0: <laughs> well, same here. I've just done six hours yeah. of chorus rehearsal, so...
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I've been traveling on trains, mostly. I've just come back from a family wedding.
0: Oh, lovely, lovely. That sounds like a nice day out.
1: Yeah, it's been nice.
0: But welcome to uh, the show. (laughs) Well. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Can can we call it a show? Uh, Two Lever Queens talking about what comes to mind, I think.
1: Sounds like a good show to me.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, I, for anyone who has never watched this show before, I have four standardized questions at the start of the show, which I will ask my guest in this case, it would be Craig. Um, and, and then we'll just see what happens really. It normally runs for approximately just under an hour, whatever Instagram allows me to anyway. Um, and then we'll just see where we go. Should we jump into it right away?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's go for it.
0: Fantastic. And do stop me if I, all of a sudden, the connection goes or something. Yeah. That's the problem with lives. Yeah. Sometimes it fucks up. Yeah. So, um, first question. What do you prefer I call you? Names, pronouns, and title.
1: Okay. Well, uh, so my name's Craig. I also go by Boot Black Cub. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, they. And uh, yeah, just call me Craig. Fine by me.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic.
1: Tell me a little bit Sorry? I was just going to say, title-wise, I tend to go by boy or cub. So, that's most of my titles.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: So, I've been on the London scene for, oh God, it feels like ages now, about 10 years now. Um so I started actually quite soon after I turned 18, dived so headfirst into it. Um and in that time I slowly grew and uh I basically started to become a boot blacker in that time, like learning by myself, and then around the time the leather social started, I um actively started boot blacking in public, like for the leather social. And that's kind of where I got my start with things.
0: I was about to say, I think you've seen most of these at some point. Yes, yes. I tend to rotate them them over the social, so I don't have to do it myself. (laughs) But that's what the boot blacks are for, so that's Mm. the main thing. Um, Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Third question, completely sober, clear-headed, or social drinker? Uh,
1: So I'm kind of the reverse. I don't drink socially. Um, like I will occasionally have alcohol, like on a Friday night, just like mm-hmm. after work. But socially speaking, I don't drink. Uh, if I'm meeting people, if I'm spending time in the crowd, I stick to soft drinks.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And last question. What is clear play to you and why is it important?
1: Uh, clear play to me is essentially being in control of yourself and the situation, which of course being like BDSM, leather play, that is very essential. Um, it's sort of being able to uh, be, understand your own boundaries and essentially stay safe.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's so important with the, especially some of the stuff we get up to, it, it is important to have that control um, especially if you're in a BDSM scene or anything to do with bondage or you can really not breathe. Really yeah. get Drunk in situations or you really need to know the person if you are. Um, yeah. And who gives, give you in the throes of that.
1: Exactly. It's sort of, you just want to be, if things turn, you need to be able to think clearly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And just
1: you need and just make judgments that on yourself. It's sort of it's very easy to cross your own personal boundaries when you're not thinking straight.
0: Boundaries are so important. I, funny mm-hmm. enough, I posted a video a week ago on my Instagram about the concept of sending dick pics. Well, in the video, I talk about emojis, um, yeah, language because it was originally on TikTok and it has to be a bit cleaner yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's 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 that weird thing when you're sitting on grinder or scruff and. All of a sudden, you're the weird one for not wanting to send a dick picture, mm. and I'm just like, "Well, I'm I'm a fetishist. I'm much more into the gear. I would rather send tons and tons of pictures of me in leather, or rubber, and so on. But the, my junk is almost a little bit secondary in most conversations I have. Yeah, because it's it's not the main thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of built into the nature of like apps like Grinder and Scruff and that that. It's essentially window shopping, so people tend to immediately want um, to view the goods, but that doesn't leave room for sort of who you are, what sort of styles of play you like to do, and as you say, pics where you're showing a scene or yourself in gear or anything like that, which can be a bit more descriptive of um, the kind of person you are and the kind of play you're in can actually be more useful, but there's this weird culture of just trying to get straight to the bit.
0: Well, to be honest, uh, in all honesty, if you want to do that, fine. No kink shaming on here and whatever you want to do and so on. But it's just, as, as we mentioned, boundaries. For me, that's a boundary. It's something I used to do in the past. And now I feel slightly uncomfortable with knowing that a picture yeah. of my junk is floating around on the internet somewhere. Uh, that probably already are, but that's not something I have any control over. And yeah. I'm sure if you look long and hard enough that we probably also find videos. Not that I'm aware. Not something I've uploaded, <laughs> but it's just what it is. We all have a past, and especially with all this thing and Zoom mm-hmm. and whatever we do. Um, so things tend to pop up. Um, so oh, yeah. I- you mentioned. Uh- uh- sorry?
1: I was just gonna say, I had photos from back when I was 21 just pop up the other day. I'm like, wow, those are still going around. Those are still doing the rounds on social media.
0: Oh, I I have an occasion when I'm on Twitter, like a picture of me pops up or my ex-partner pops up and it's like, that's not them posting, Um, but okay. It's kind of the thing. If you put anything on the internet, it's up for grabs. You just kind of have to accept that. if you put stuff up online, it's gonna stay there. And you really need to know, are you okay with that?
1: Yeah. So yeah, you... it's like, I made a, decision a long... I made a decision a long time ago, I would show my face on the internet, and I understand I will have to live with the consequences if that gets into the wrong hands.
0: Absolutely. What was it? Uh, Some years back, I was applying for a job at um, Mm -hmm. something in Canary Wharf, one of the finance things, uh, which is fairly high up. And before I went to the job interview, my friend kind of went, maybe you should go on your Facebook and tone it down a bit. And I was just like, I don't think it's that bad, but okay, I can go in and untick Mm -hmm. a couple of things or make it more private so no one can see anything. But it never. Do you know what? I'm, I'm such an open book. So I didn't re. I'm just like I put stuff online. I'm I'm an open, um, open book when it comes to my fetish and so on. God, my mom's no- knows about it. for fuck's like Yeah. It. So it's it. Oh. But I get it. For specific jobs, you represent the company, and I I fully get that. I'm lucky enough that I work from for a company that's so liberal. Um, of course, don't yeah. put anything that would be offensive online. But it it it's still yeah. quite minded about LGBTQ plus issues and mm-hmm. and different ways of living. So I don't think I would ever have a problem with my job. Anyway, I'm not too high. I'm not high enough up to actually yeah. have an issue. Yeah. So you mentioned in the start that you boot black. How did you get yes. into that?
1: Uh, so I recently learned about boot blacking from, it was, uh, this is going way back, um, someone I know, uh, Sir Dart, he used to do a podcast um, called Dart's Domain no where he would interview people. And a lot of the interviewees were like IML boot blacking contestants and they would talk about their experiences and what a boot black was. And as I was listening all the time, I was like, I want to be that. That sounds like something I want to get into. I want to be this person who can, um, be a resource, for the leather community to help people to do acts of service. Service is very important to me in my leather, um, and my leather identity. And it's just a way for me to give back to the community to meet really hot guys. Cause like, you know, I get hot leathermen in my boot blacking chair all the time. So. Big bonus for me.
0: I've sat there, so it's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, sorry. And it was, um, yeah, so I just started to learn on my own from, like, YouTube videos and books.
0: Oh, just to rewind, if anyone's watching and they don't know what a boot black is, it's someone who polishes boots. But it's a little bit more comprehensive than just polish boots.
1: Yeah. In case so, someone,
0: what is he talking about? I don't know this word.
1: Yeah. So at events, we will be people shining boots. Essentially, we'll have people sitting in our chairs and we act like a shoe shine, but the leather men. Uh, behind the scenes, we also do leather care and leather preparation. So if someone's leather is degrading or needs repairing, they'll come to us. If someone has like an event coming up and they want to like look their best. We will do it so the leather has a high shine on it and just make looks cared for and amazing. So yeah, we are here to help, essentially.
0: You just, you're just just running around making sure we all look good. That's the main thing. hmm
1: Yeah, you- Well, most men do look good in leather, I, but I, I, you can always look I, I better.
0: Look- I don't want to badmouth my my sub on, on my podcast but my, my sub came over the other week and we were going into Soho in full lever mm-hmm. and he had his cheaper wares with him and I was mm-hmm. just like you're not wearing them into Soho in that state. <laughs> it looked awful. They really really need a good scene too. I need to drag him to um, the social and get him to uh get him to get you to look at his boots because they need some tender love and care.
1: Well, uh both I and I believe uh boot black toco will be there tomorrow. So drag him along. Hello. Well I'm, i will instruct I I will instruct him how to do it properly for you.
0: <laughs> that yeah, see see a, a good sob should be able to polish boots properly. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Uh, I don't think he's coming tomorrow, unfortunately. But oh, I will shit. put up there. I'll send him a text afterwards, saying this is on tomorrow. Do you want to come and bring the boots? Because <laughs> I was just like, I'm not. I'm not being seen in public with those boots. Forget it. I have my standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think tomorrow I might bring my uh, daners. They need some love, right. I think. Yeah. So you have you have your task tomorrow.
1: Fantastic. I look forward to it.
0: Um, So you mentioned in your little brief text I I posted with your picture that you also do a podcast, besides being guests on other podcasts.
1: So I host, edit, and manage the Kinky Boys podcast. And the basic idea is every month, it's monthly, Um, we talk about either a fetish, doing sort of a 101 um, explain to people what the fetish is about, how to do it safely, where to find more people into it, and other issues affecting the kink community. And yeah, I've been doing that for five years now. And that's been, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been a little passion project of mine. I'm quite proud I've actually managed to keep up with it because a lot of podcasts get started and die. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and it's been amazing. I have got to talk to so many people. I have learned so many interesting things about fetish. I get to see inside, like, how people's minds work and what turns them on. And it's been brilliant. Like, you yourself have been...
0: When was I a guest on it? I can't almost not remember how long it's ago.
1: Uh... I think it was about three, four years ago now, but you did come to talk on about uh your sober social.
0: Yes, yes, that that was uh, that must have been fairly early on in real clear fetish, really.
1: Um, oh yeah,
0: and now three three years later, I'm still doing this. <laughs> A little bit of, in a different format and not any socials, not before the new year anyway, if anyone was wondering when the, the sober socials will come back. I've decided that I will not do it before the new year, mainly because mm-hmm. that was that's what I feel comfortable with. I would hate if anyone yeah. would catch COVID at one of my events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure people are vaccinated and can get um, uh, lateral flow tests and all sorts but it's more my personal preference and I would rather wait till the new mm. year just to see what the winter brings. Um But hopefully on the horizon there will be a sober social again because it is needed. Yeah. Um. And you have been guest at that as well which is always great fun. And you have been a boot. Black oh yeah. As well.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Any, so- any social that wants a boot black hit me up. I'm always up for it.
0: <laughs> You're gonna get offers now. Um, <laughs> after this, it's like your DMs are just gonna fill up. It's like, can you just come and do it privately?
1: <laughs> well, behind the scenes, I um, I can arrange. Generally speaking, if I'm doing like a full leather care, I do charge for that, but mostly reasonable stuff. So,
0: oh, any piece of work <laughs> or any teachings and so on, of course, it's it's you, you need to be some sort of gift back at least. So a bit of payment to learn how to actually take care of your leather and so on. It, it's not yeah. it's not just something you learn. I've, I feel like I found my way of doing it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's the right way and I'm sure some old guard leather man is gonna be completely mortified if I told him how I do it. But it's just, yeah. it kind of works. My gear looks nice. So I, I'll just keep doing that. Um, we might have a discussion about that outside this <laughs> <laughs> and then you can give your opinion if I'm doing it right or not.
1: we Will do. But I mean, from the <laughs> look of it, you're doing a good job.
0: Well, this is a new shirt, so I've only had it on <laughs> twice. So, <laughs> I thought I would have something a little bit more bright on today. I normally have a black shirt on, but I'll, I went a little bit more brighter today. It works. So how are you find, um, you've been still been doing the podcast whilst the whole COVID mm-hmm. thing has been going on and so on. How are you feeling with now that Lever events are slowly coming back, Backstreet just opened this weekend. So we're kind of getting back to a normal, but it's also about what is your comfort, what is your comfort level when it comes to going out? Because it is yeah. at own risk because you can, even you're vaccinated, you can still get really sick. Um how do you feel about this ongoing starting getting getting back to normality?
1: Yeah, it's difficult. Um This will be the first leather social I'll be attending since it started up and even then it, it yeah. Yeah, I am nervous. I'm still not sure if it's the right thing to do because we're in this weird place where it's safer than it was, yeah. but it's still not completely safe and it's sort of how do you assess your own personal level of risk it's sort of like i'm not terribly social uh just in general as a person i'm a bit of an introvert so i generally don't go to i yeah i generally don't go to a lot of big events naturally um mostly i've been seeing people one-on-one i am constantly doing lateral flow tests just to like double check and i think we people in the kinky community are very under, we've got good practice about how to manage uh, sexual health and transmission risks. You know, I was always taught, uh, when I got into the leather scene, you know, get your STI test every three months minimum, Um, take any vaccines or medication like PrEP to help prevent things, and let people know when you've got tested and when you've been at risk. And I think that carries over to COVID. I've got a friend who was arranging to uh, meet up and said, just so you know, I've been to a circuit party this week, so I am a high transmission risk for COVID. Do you still feel safe doing that? And it's like, we can build these practices, which we've always done for our sexual health into our general health now.
0: It's 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 a, It's an odd one, because I have friends who don't want to hug yet, uh i have Mm -hmm. people who still want to keep the mask on i'm i'm an asthmatic so getting covid could be quite um not a great thing even with being vaccinated it cannot if i get a chest infection i'm almost out of the run i can't do much yeah um so going to the lever social tomorrow is a mixture of excitement, because it's the first proper level event I'm going to, mm-hmm. um, since God knows how long, at least 18 months, I would assume. Um, and by, I also know there will be some anxiety around a room full of people. Um, the way I'm, I'm tackling it, at least with, because you mentioned introvert and, and I, I suffer yeah. with so anxiety as well with big groups of people, it makes me very uncomfortable <laughs> if I walk into a room that's so full, um, but that's even without COVID, I would feel like that. Uh, so tomorrow I'll be there at, on, on the dot at four o'clock because that is when the event starts, but that's not one when it's going to be busy. I would rather get yeah. there early. And then they let it slowly get busy because then it's a little bad analogy, but it's a little bit like the frog and the pot and the boiling water. Not, not that I would want yeah. to boil, but but <laughs> you get the, the gist of it, it's, it's, it's good to be there when it's not busy. And then you can kind of get used to it. And if you get uncomfortable, you can just leave.
1: Exactly. And, uh, you know, there's always the option of going out to the smoking area and standing outside. It's, it's difficult because we all have to navigate our own comfort level and our own safety level. Uh, my oh, one I... advice is have consideration for others. Always ask what other people's safety levels are.
0: Yeah, it's, we, we're all getting, getting back to being slightly comfortable with each other, and sometimes we forget that some people have maybe been stuck at home for almost a year and mm-hmm. a half, two years. I'm definitely one of those people. I've not been leaving my flat that much, if I'm honest. Um, So getting back into navigating with people around me, I was having the conversation with a friend of mine, when I go to a bar or if I go to um, my chorus rehearsals, that is my chosen risk. But going on public transport, that can make me anxious as no end because that is not my chosen risk, especially when people are not wearing masks because it's still mandatory here in London. Of course, you have health conditions and you can't wear a mask. I'm not going yeah. to gas ties on you. But when you're sitting in a, in a, in a in the tube and there's more people without masks than with masks, it's like no one in here has a medical condition.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. being dicks. Yeah. It's like, I mean, right now, one of my limits is I will not go on the underground. I will take buses and I will take overground trains because they can be ventilated. I will not go on the underground. And it's, I mean, one of the things about risk is it's not a binary yes or no. It's stackable. Like maybe you can decide to, I will go out every other weekend. This gives Mm -hmm. a gap of time where if you catch COVID, you won't pass it on. And it will allow you to vote like, you know, like you have to decide degrees of how comfortable you are, like which risk, like, like I'm not going into work. I'm staying home. I can work from home that means I feel I have a little more freedom to be sociable on the weekend.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird one. I've even gotten to the extent now and I don't know if it's gonna work. I'm, I'm going to hard on next week. Mm-hmm. That is a big boundary for me because that is normally quite sweaty and a lot of people and very mm-hmm. busy normally. And I think it was very busy last time it was on but yet again i'll I'll be there at ten o'clock when it opens up it'll It'll be dead at ten o'clock. No one's arriving before like eleven ten yeah eleven twelve ish um but for me, it's just about scoping the area out, kind of settling into how I feel about it, and then <laughs> when it gets to a point where it may feel uncomfortable, then I'll make the decision okay I'll pull the plug and then I'll go home
1: yeah it. It's really difficult. And I mean, one of the things I do wonder about is how this is going to affect people long term. Like, I do wonder if there's going to be a whole bunch of people in the future that have a very specific fetish for being spat in the mouth. Because, (laughs) I mean, this is something I've learned from doing the podcast is often either taboo or scary activities are the things that become fetishized why for so long barebacking became a fetish of itself, because it was scary. Like before prep, um, the idea that you could have sex allowed condom was taboo, scary, so it became fetishized. So are we going to have fetishes of people wanting to spit in each other's mouth and breathe on each other's face? Which I mean, already sounds like a good time, but
0: I, I was about to say I was already spitting in people's mouths yeah, before. Yeah. All of that. But <laughs> it, it does. It does feel a bit odd now to do it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, of, of course, in any any scene, consent is sexy, of course. But it's just <laughs> before I was just like I didn't really give it much thought. Now I'm kind of like, do I want someone to spit in my mouth? Mm, oh, I don't know how yeah. I feel about it. It's like all the germs and so on. We all become a little bit germaphobes, I think, after this.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was watching like this clip of a porn where both the people having sex were wearing face covering masks, and I'm like, that's oddly hot. Why am I finding that hot? Oh, could could
0: you imagine being someone who's into medical scenes? <laughs> It must have been a very hard year.
1: Yeah, yeah, very hard. Although did you hear the news story about the fetish suppliers that donated all their masks to the NHS?
0: No, no I didn't.
1: It was quite quite a while ago, back when the government was really struggling for PPE. A company that specializes in medical fetish supplies donated all their um, medical masks, paper medical masks to the NHS.
0: Oh, that's, that's fabulous it's it's Ooh. all about giving back and it's it's funny when you when you when you talked about like we know about how to take care of our sexual health and so on Ooh. because we have quite an atrocious yeah. past with hiv and aids in the 80s and the mm-hmm. 90s so it's just became normalized that you check up on yourself and it's it's and i i think also I can't talk for every fetish man, but I are a fetish woman or non binary, mm-hmm. um, what their views are on the vaccine and so on. But mm-hmm. I think most of us are like, just give it to me. I have no problem with this.
1: Yeah, like I've definitely not seen much reticence in sort of the LGBT community, particularly um, the leather community. It's, and I do think that is a large part because of our history with other pandemics.
0: I was, I was about to say, I, I think a lot of fetish men or so on, people who go clubbing, <laughs> they've put worse things in their bodies than a, a vaccine, yeah. to be honest. I definitely have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not anymore, yes. but uh, you, I used to. <laughs> um and that was definitely questionable so taking a a a doctor approved vaccine is Mm -hmm. is a small thing so sorry
1: no go ahead
0: no uh, what keep saying what you were saying because i i'm I'm I've i've
1: literally lost my train of thought so you might as well ask (laughs)
0: Oh, it's always the fun bit with the delay a little bit on this. Um, (laughs) No, you also mentioned on your little text about you do kink education. I noticed one of your pictures on your Instagram, you do a bit of rope work. Is that something you dabble in as well?
1: Uh, Yes. So for the past uh, four years, I worked with the London Wolfpack. Uh, At the time, there was very little sort of education on the scene. So some friends of I and I, we originally started working as this, this, the assistant for Dolan Wolf, who ran a kink education night um, at Eagle. Uh, obviously, he moved to San Francisco, and we carried on the Kink education nights as the Wolf pack. And so we had a lot of history doing events, uh, basically teaching the 101 safety of rope bondage and bondage techniques. As well as uh, other forms of play, wax play, electro play, that sort of thing, uh, and it was a great time. Now, since then, we've all sort of uh, grown and pursuing our different projects. But I still do pink t- education. I want to do sort of boot blacking mentorship uh, and mentorship of new people coming into the leather scene. That's sort of my new ongoing project. Yeah, I just want to sort of well, that's, help. That's... Um, Well, I just Keep I just want to help um, pass on the knowledge because one thing I have noticed that's currently lacking, especially like uh, in the London scene, is mentorship. Like newbies coming in, being taught, shown the ropes, um, gifted leather, the sort of traditions that are stronger in the US, we've not really kept up here.
0: It's, it's always been the one thing, and, and mm. especially when I competed at IML when I was 24, mm. this notion of community and giving back and mentorships and taking care of your own. I think we, as in the UK and Europe, um, um, kind of lack a bit. Um, it's much more, we buy our own gear, we go out clubbing, we see our friends, but there's no like oh i'm new to the scene can you show me the ropes haha pun um so it, it, it yeah it's definitely and this is one of the reasons i do what i do as well is also mm-hmm. kind of going this is what i've done in the past don't go that way or at least educate yourself before you do these things i will never go out and say to someone it's like you're not allowed to do drugs they're bad mm-hmm. mm. that's not my thing that's not what i'm doing it's it's mainly just going this is how bad it can go that's not necessarily you but it could be you you never fucking know yeah and especially as a fetish man it's really important because we see it quite often you kind of we have young people moving to london they come to london they go hard at it right away and then they burn out and move out or in worst case Mm -hmm. scenarios they die
1: yeah and it's and the thing is, I think a lot of this comes from the fact that um, we, as a community, um, sort of that sort of natural progression and transmission of knowledge was very painfully severed in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, we had an entire generation of essentially what should should now be queer elders just wiped out. So the next generation coming up didn't have anyone, like my generation, didn't have anyone to really guide them or to show them ropes or to keep them safe, um, to educate them, to pass on like knowledge and everyone's had to learn everything from scratch. And we've had to make a lot of mistakes from scratch.
0: It's, 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 it's it, And now that I'm I'm getting to, the ripe old age of 36, I am starting Mm -hmm. to now have people at the 20s, 21, 22, kind of Mm -hmm. write to me. It's like, you have amazing gear. How did you get it? Where did you get this from? Mm -hmm. Where can I go? Who do I need to talk to? And in in most cases, I kind of like come to the level social. There's loads of people there that are willing to help you. And I'm lucky enough that I have had some great role models in my life, Um, but, They're not, they may be like 10, 20 years older than me, but yes, as you said, you have a whole generation missed.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I was quite lucky. I had, growing up in my town, which was relatively small, uh, the small sort of like tiny gay community there was a mix because um, you didn't have a lot of people. So the, the few of us that were there stuck together and that meant I was exposed to people in their thirties and even people in their sixties and seventies, which I became great friends with, and I learned so much from them. Mm. And I recognized I was really lucky in a way to be exposed to that, because not a lot of my peers had that.
0: I've I've with as I mentioned at the start of the episode, mm-hmm. I've I've done a rehearsal with my chorus today where I'm I'm <laughs> so lucky to sing with these men from various generations and and some of them are from that time and especially this year where we had series like it's a sin and pose Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden we get some of this queer history on our tv screens and we've learned a lot that i was too young to really notice the age pandemic in in the 90s i think This is, this is going, you're gonna laugh. My earliest rem- memory of HIV AIDS being predicted, uh, um, being shown on TV, where it actually had mm-hmm. an impact on me, was watch Beverly Hills 9210, uh, where Kelly's character is working in a hospice for HIV patients. All and right. it, it was quite a brown, groundbreaking episode. All the facts in it is completely wrong because she gets blood on her hands and yeah. get an HIV test five minutes later. That's not how they work, yeah, especially yeah. not in the 90s, but it made an impact. It it made, made me aware of it, um, but that's my earliest memory. And then I've done a, some volunteer work when I lived in Copenhagen around HIV AIDS, handing out condoms and so on because they go around to different bars and hand them out um but it i've learned so much more about the history and what they went through and what we should be grateful for now
1: yeah it's so there were two um two really formative things about how i sort of learned about hiv and the aids epidemic the first was a close friend of mine um basically talked to me about how his first partner died from it and obviously it was quite a few years later but it's still very raw with him and I saw sort of the heartbreak and the pain of like really quickly losing a partner like that and then the second was it was at a friend's party and it was one of the older friends and they brought out um, sort of a photo album of their time when they lived in San Francisco. And they're just going through and showing me, like, all the pictures of the places, like, them working at gay bars, and like, but on every page, I was like, fortunately, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And that's when it kind of clicked for me, like, that pain and loss happened on such a scale and so rapidly. Um, And just... That was the first time it really hit me what um, what the AIDS epidemic actually was. Because again, like I'm not that much younger than you. Like I was also kind of sheltered from it growing up. Mm.
0: Yeah, we, we we're the generation that grew up with prep and and yeah. Now it's of course prep doesn't cover you from any other medical um, STIs you might catch. Yeah. Of course, that's not a shield for everything. I yeah. will point that out. But make your own choices when it comes to your sexual health, as long as you get checked up every three months. But it's it's we are still that generation that all of a sudden it's not a death sentence, and you, yeah, you, you can feel the shift in sexual practices, and well, yeah. also barebacking as as a fetish or a, a, a choice. Yeah, when it comes does to that death.
1: sort of that. Taboo has really lessened, and the psychological fear and danger around it is dissipating.
0: It's 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 interesting, especially when, 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 when It's a Sin was running. I watched it every Friday because I needed to take it in chapters. I couldn't watch the whole thing. I would have been in a puddle on the oh, floor yeah. if I'd watched all five episodes in one go. But after every episode aired, I had to sit and chat with two friends, one who lived very much through it he's in his 60s and another Mm -hmm. friend who has also a bit of a checkered past with HIV and so on and they're both HIV Mm -hmm. positive so all of a sudden I'm getting all this information but I also have to kind of be a little bit therapy a little bit of trauma Mm -hmm. counseling afterwards when they've watched the episode Mm -hmm. I didn't mind doing it and it was quite mind-blowing that some of the stuff that got triggered um and there was a lot of especially um, the, one who, the guy in his 60s, he was just like, mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about it for 30 years. I've kind of just taken it out of my mind. Mm-hmm. This is a part of my life that's so dark, but all of a sudden watching it on TV, how it was, all of a sudden brought it all back. And all of a sudden he was like,
1: yeah.
0: there is actually something I need to look at to become a whole person. And also a lot of survival guilt. We have a whole generation mm-hmm. of straight or uh, uh, of gay men who survived the AIDS epidemic, but who have so massive survival guilt, which where there should be none, because yeah. unfortunately HIV/AIDS there was not, It was kind of random who got really sick and who didn't. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was yeah. very educational, also heart wrenching mm. to listen to some of these conversations yeah. with friends. But I'm happy to be there for them
1: yeah because I mean trauma often just sits there like someone said something recently to me about trauma which really stuck which is the thing that causes trauma isn't pain it's having to go through pain alone or unsupported that causes the trauma and yeah so much of like the pain people feel that they've had to just bury and sort of form a scab over is because they ha- didn't have the tools to deal with it and there wasn't the sort of societal support to deal with it.
0: Yeah, we now, it's it's, it's the PDSD of the whole situation. We mm-hmm. now also, with the pandemic, we are gonna have a whole section of people after the pandemic who are gonna have the PDSD as well. <laughs> um, I, 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 for one, really hope the NHS staff gets the support they need. I couldn't oh, imagine being yeah. on the wards through all this. It, it must have been horrible. Yeah. And it, that's just like a little, like because it was so intense with this pandemic compared to the HIV uh, crisis or the AIDS crisis. It, where it was slightly elongated, but it was also really horrible, but it was kind of hidden away, where this, if if HIV AIDS had hit the same way as COVID had hit, you would have fucking known there would have been a vaccine right away.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, I mean, like we talk about trauma, like our society is going to go through some, a lot of changes just because we have a whole society that's basically going to be traumatized. And I don't know how an entire society handles trauma. Right? This is very much uncharted territory for us.
0: Absolutely. And it's 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 also kind of like we keep saying new normal, but what is normal now? We yeah. we are probably in the worst piece. Well, I think all generations say they're in the worst piece of history, but we are, seem to be in this fairly almost apocalyptic setting with the weather, with, uh, with this mm-hmm. pandemic and, and so on. The only difference is in most um, disaster movies, everyone is running from the danger. We just have to work from home.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, the thing about this is for the end of the world has turned out to be so boring. Uh, there was a novel, I can't remember which novel it was, um, but it was basically uh, one of the characters had lived in a war zone, and it was essentially, I live in fear, but the fear was so constant it became boring. Can you imagine that? Fear becoming boring. And it's sort of, this is what's happened because there's the constant terror happening on the TV, like, Bodies unimaginable scale of death, and we just have to sit on our sofas and not go out, like
0: it's it's or or dress up at home, yeah, <laughs> not go out, which I think a lot of people have been doing.
1: Um, yeah, like uh, over the pandemic, I started a Saturday night video chat with people, and I know quite a few other people did as well. Where we just had these sort of regular get-togethers. Um, I know the leather social went online. Yeah, it's, it's well, now
0: now that the leather social started up again, it's now also a, an online version of it, uh, which I know Bob is heading. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 very good. I did a couple of the online stuff, and this is nothing against the leather social, and I think it was great what it's doing for my personal benefit. They weren't great for me. It caused me all sorts of anxiety sitting on mm-hmm. camera and talking to people and this, this feeling of forced conversations, not mm-hmm. good for me. But for some people, it's been great. And I, I've, I, it's, it's so good um, that we could do all these things. And we just kind of went from one way of doing it to another way of doing it until we can start seeing each other again. But talking about, like, seeing each other again, what are you most excited about starting to go back to whatever normal is?
1: Ah, That's a tough one. Like, obviously just seeing people in person and just the chance to make random connections with new people, meet new people, um, the chance to dress up, like actually go out in my leathers is a big thing. It's like, there's a lot of little small things I've missed. Right?
0: Well, I, I, would say, I would say my wardrobe has uh, expanded in <laughs> lockdown um, mm-hmm. and I want to wear some of this gear I've bought. It's, it seems like I bought all this gear but I'm not wearing it anywhere. Um, so I, I, I was one of the people who fell into the sale with these leather shirts, <laughs> which everyone fucking did. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I do say the so, Mister Galo shirts are the new Mistress Puppenhood.
0: It was, it was. I think it still is because it's affordable <laughs> and the is nice. And yeah, it's 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 not it's not as good as if you really go for the more expensive stuff. But mm-hmm. you know what? This is a nice shirt. I'm really happy with it. So it, it's been yeah, great. And- I want to wear them out now.
1: Yes. Yes, it's good to show, I mean, here's the thing, the reason, it just goes to show there's this whole thirst for like really colourful and individualised leather. Because, And I think there's this real need to, to bloom out and be more expressive because leather and leather bent, we tend to go for the blacks. Like it's black, grey, and maybe a bit of red. And like, I think people, especially in this day and age, are looking for a bit more colour in their kink gear.
0: I, I, I love Banjo just went, Is it go to the level social tomorrow with a bingo card and see how many colors you can find? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I know. No, no, I, 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 I could do you one better. Let's see how many Mr. Regalio shirts we're going to see tomorrow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's going to be a few.
1: Okay, my goal is to get people lined up and see if I can get a full Pride Colour rainbow <gasps> out of the Mr. regale i That
0: would be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Uh, I've just seen there's also a question hanging here. Let me just see what that is. Uh... Ah, actually, that's a really good question. And it's also from Banjo. He's mm-hmm. asked, what is good etiquette for tipping boot blacks?
1: So... Tipping, generally speaking, uh, it depends on the size of the boot or the job. Like if they're really messy or just need a touch-up, that's a bit different. The general scale most boot blacks work to is uh, if it's ankle high or 10 hole, uh, that's five quid. Uh, and, And if it's like 15 to 20 hole or even 30 hole, that is generally about 10 quid. And it's yeah, and it's just like, most boot blacks do not charge, but tipping would be nice. Because, you know, all our gear, like the brushes, the cloths, the uh, polishes, the oils, the soaps, that all adds up and we go through that stuff quite quickly. So just being tipped um, can really help. Like, I also know someone who, they were quite young and they didn't really have a lot of cash because they was only working part-time as a student, was able to pay their way to go up to Manchester Leathermen by boot blacking that weekend. And that the tips from that helped them get along and be able to take part in events that weekend. And so, yeah, tip if you can. Obviously, if you can't, um, don't worry. I understand some people aren't in great financial shape, especially right now. So if you can't tip, just say, maybe just buy a drink if you can. Nice cheap, but uh, it's thirsty work. Yeah. So that's generally the etiquette for tipping a boot black.
0: I've de- I've definitely seen your head pop up down from the floor all sweaty mm-hmm. from boot mm-hmm. blacking before at the level social. It's like, can can you get me a drink? It's like, yeah, yeah, one moment I'll come yeah. over with one for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 good etiquette and and, and and of course if be upfront if you can't pay full. Yeah. And say, this is what I can offer.
1: Yeah. As I say, it's, um, we are there to act for people, to be a service, to be, you know, a bit of pampering, a bit of luxury. Um, and if you can't, if you're not in a place to tip, don't worry about it. Just say you'll be treated like any other customer.
0: I've I've had my boots uh, boot blacked by you. Um, mm-hmm. I also have done it, uh, my friend Tim, who won Mr. Mm-hmm. International Boot Black back mm-hmm. in, this must have been 2012. Um, he did my DMs. They were almost at the verge of being thrown out at that point because they are over almost 30 mm-hmm. years old. But he managed to just reinvigorate that, um, actually light them up again and the the, the Tender love and care some of these boot blacks put into it um a cheeky little kiss on the on the front of the toe of the boot or actually using yeah. their own saliva or mm-hmm. um some people use the whole flame thing where like you put mm-hmm. fire to it and close it and mm-hmm. yeah it, you probably also know paul the boot black who also draws yes yeah he's so good at it as well he's such a good boot mm-hmm. black as well Um, So there's Mm -hmm. some amazing people out there doing this craft. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a craft. It is not something you just layer. I can can polish a pair of boots, but I fucking hate it. And I'd rather have other people do it for me. But that's, yeah, that's just me being lazy. But I know what I need to do if I need my boots to look a certain way if I go out so they don't (laughs) look horrible. But I leave the more proper boot blacking to the professionals.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it is a passion for us. And we learn from each other. And, like, we swap stories about what products we think work best, what techniques we think work best. It's it's something where, like, there's a very simple way to do it, but there's a depth of knowledge of how to perfect it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're actually coming to the end of the episode. Time has kind of flown by, and it's actually been a joy to have you on as my first guest on season three. Uh, Anywhere where, if anyone's been watching this and they're kind of related to some of the stuff you've said, is there any way they can get in contact with you or any shout-outs you want to promote?
1: So I am available at most places under the screen name Boot Black Cup you can find me on Mastodon, on Twitter, on uh, bootblackhub at protonmail.com for my email. And I also have my own website, bootblackhub.com. So any way you want to get in contact with me, just search for that and I'll pop up.
0: Yeah, and you can can teach them if they want to be proper bootblack.
1: Yeah, I will say that now. If anyone actually wants to be a bootblack, um, as I've already said, I am very much wanting to mentor you. I can also put you in contact with other boot blacks near you if you live far away. Um, like I really want to help people pass in this knowledge. So if you want to be a boot black, just come and see me ask.
0: You can, you can never have too many boot blacks. There's plenty of boots out there. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you for coming on Craig. It's been absolutely lovely. <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I've had such fun. Thank you for being on, uh, having it, me on.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been very good. And I'll see you tomorrow anyway.
1: Yeah, see you tomorrow.
0: <laughs> see you tomorrow.
1: Take okay. care. Uh,
0: that was Craig. Um, do Black Hub here on Instagram. To check him out. Um, but I'll be back again in two weeks with a new guest. So I'll see you soon
1: keep playing Bye.